0: You're listening to a message preached at Front Range Baptist Church by Pastor Dean Miller. It is our prayer that this message will be a help and an encouragement to you in your spiritual walk. Now, here's Pastor Miller. Revelation chapter 2, we're going to just go through this, this, this church tonight for a few minutes and then I'm going to call you to prayer. We're going to pray, we're going to spend a little time, let's, we're going to pray for these who've been saved. And and really pray that we can be good stewards of that. Now the stewardship begins. Salvation is a miracle of a moment. Discipleship is the journey of a lifetime. And remember, the Great Commission is is three parts: uh, preaching the gospel, getting baptized those in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to observe whatsoever of things I've commanded you. And man, it is a it is a joy. To, to share the gospel. It is a blessing to see people baptized, but it is a job to teach them to observe what Christ has commanded us. And so, we want to be a we want to be a faithful great commission church. Amen. The whole thing, the all of it. Uh Revelation chapter 2. And we're going to talk about this tonight with this church. We're going to we're going to look at uh on your notes, your little handout there, it uh this is a church that was better and not bitter. This was a church that had something better and not bitter. But this, the church of Smyrna, look at Revelation chapter 2, verse 8. Unto the angel of the church of Smyrna. Now remember we talked about the angel here. Some think that this perhaps is an angel, actually a heavenly angel that oversees or uh, is assigned to a particular assembly. Um, Now, I don't necessarily believe that. I wouldn't argue with anybody if that's what they believed. But the word angel here is a messenger. So whether this is a messenger that God was sending, uh, that Jesus sent to deliver this message to that church, perhaps. However, I don't think so. My My personal belief is that every one of these angels, except for the church of Smyrna here, but these angels were given a correction in their life of something that they needed to do, which means to me that that's a human Messenger, which would be an understanding of the principal shepherd or pastor of that church. And by the way, why would he write when he's writing to the church? Why would Jesus write if if it is so? Why would he write to the pastor? Why, why wouldn't he write to the whole church? Why would he write to the pastor under the angel of the church? Well, I'll tell you why. Because the pastor is going to give an account. I'm going to stand before the Lord. And I want to tell you something, this, I've I've said this before, but this weighs heavily on me. Some people will criticize and say, Pastor, why did you make this decision? Or why are we not doing this? Or why did this, why, why have you, why have you done this? And I want to tell you, uh, I I had somebody call me the other day and just, boy, put some heat on me about some things. Just, man, boom. And they came to me later and said, hey, I kind of put some heat on you. I'm sorry. I said, trust me, Uh, you didn't put any heat on me. And he said, well, I, put some, I was putting some pressure. And I said, listen, I go to bed with pressure, I wake up with pressure. And the pressure is not you. The pressure is I have to stand before the Lord and give an account. And I, and I, uh, I think about that. Often, that's, that's, in front of my, that's in front of my eyes. Uh, often, I'm gonna give an account uh, for the souls in this church. And so, so Jesus, when he wrote this letter, he wrote it to this messenger and said, hey, I'm writing to you because there's some things that your church needs to know. Look at what he says, verse number eight. Under the angel of the church of Smyrna write, these things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. Now remember, Jesus always describes himself to these seven churches by one of the characteristics that he was seen of John in chapter one. Remember with, with Ephesus, he held the seven stars in his hand. Remember that? Well, that's what John saw in Revelation 1. He saw him in the midst of the candlesticks with, one, with his seven stars in his right hand. So, but he highlights, he highlights something about Christ from Revelation 1. And what he highlighted here was he who was dead and is now alive. And here's what Jesus said to the church of Smyrna. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them, which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee the crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Now, this is a letter Jesus is writing to the church of Smyrna. Now, the church of Smyrna, the city of Smyrna, is on the west coast of Asia Minor. Today, modern-day Turkey, but it's on the west coast there. And it's interesting but uh, Smyrna has the idea, it's the same word where we get the word myrrh. Myrrh was produced there. It was a, it, it was a very wealthy city. It had a great production uh, of, of spices and, and specifically myrrh. It was well known for that. And, uh, and Smyrna was, Smyrna, the, the very word of myrrh or Smyrna means crushed. You took the spice of myrrh and when you crushed it, it gave a beautiful fragrance. And it's interesting that when Christ is writing to this church at Smyrna, they were a church that was being crushed. They were a church under great persecution. And they were under persecution by really two fronts. Number one, the city of Smyrna was an imperial city. In the Roman Empire, it was a city that had fully given itself to Rome. In fact, it was one of seven cities that was in a race to build uh, some kind of, of tribute to Rome. And they were in a race, and they were the first one to accomplish it. They were, this, they were a city, they said, we are wholeheartedly following Rome. And they were a city where you would hear, Caesar is Lord. People were very loyal to the Roman Empire, so you had, you had great Roman uh, allegiance, and with that came the Greek influence and the Roman influence, and so they were, they were a pantheistic culture. They worshipped all kinds of gods. In fact, they had temples to all sorts of gods, Zeus and and uh, athena and so many other of the roman and greek gods that these people would have worshiped in smyrna but also there was a great jewish population there there were many jews there now here's the thing the jews could coexist alongside of the romans peacefully because the romans accepted the religion of the jews now, they didn't like it necessarily, but they tolerated it. They had made a deal with them. That's why, because Judea was part of the Roman Empire. They actually had one of their uh, proconsuls. councils remember Pontius Pilate and, and different ones that actually oversaw in the region of Judah. So Rome was favorable to the Jews and the Jewish religion. And many of the Jews that were in Smyrna were very wealthy. And they were supporters of Rome as well. They, they learned to coexist with Rome. And, um, and so you had a great Jewish population, you had a great Gentile population, and then you had the Christians. And the Christians were hated by the Jews and the Gentiles. And there was great persecution. Let me tell you just briefly what some of that persecution would have looked like. In those days, Christians would have been, would have been basically uh, without work. They would have not been given license for business, They would have not had an opportunity to set up a shop. Christians, in fact, look in your Bible here at verse number nine. I know thy works, now watch this, and tribulation and poverty. And that word tribulation, in the Greek language, that word tribulation is a crushing. It is a a pressing. It's the same word that is used of the millstone that grinds out the wheat. Or the press and the olive press that crushes the olives or the grapes and presses out the oil and the wine. And he said, I know your crushing. I know the pressing. I know the pressure that's on you. And I know your poverty. Now, that word poverty is the word for destitute. They had nothing, they they were people who, who were under such pressure. The Christians in Smyrna had nothing. Many of them didn't have a home. They couldn't have a job. These people were suffering. Now see, we don't really grasp that in America. We we don't grasp that, but I will tell you this. There are many of our fellow Christians around the world who know exactly what they're talking about. There are people today around this world that are suffering in dire ways, giving their lives. Do you know Statistics say about one, if, 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 if what we consider to be born again Christians, if you were to take a number and you were to be conservative with that number, you would say worldwide about one in 150 professed believers are suffering in ways that will actually cost imprisonment or death around the world today. More Christians are suffering under persecution right now than at any other time in Christianity. Now, we don't understand that, and I think think some of us have seen a glimpse of what could possibly come. In our country and in our culture, we pride ourselves of religious freedom. America says we have religious freedom and we're tolerant of all religions until I've been asked to come and speak before General Assemblies of Congress or whatever, I've had to pray prayer, and they'll say, hey, now just don't pray in Jesus' name. You know, you can say God, you can say Father, and so somehow I always miss that. And I was standing before a joint session of Congress in Mississippi, and the governor had invited me to come. and And uh, and the guy that was handling me just said, "Hey, the governor's going to introduce you. He's going to say some things about you, and then when you pray, you just you know, pray generally to God, and, and just just leave Jesus out of it." And uh, and I said, um, I said, well. I said, I don't know who you pray to, but I pray to Jesus. And I said, I wouldn't ask you not to pray to the, the one that you pray to. And I pray to Jesus. And we're standing off on the wings. And he said, well, that's going to be a problem. And I said, not for me or Jesus. True story. And so my wife is sitting out there with the governor's wife over there and the little thing. And they brought me out. And the governor said nice things. And then I got up and, and then I prayed. And then nobody said nice things because I prayed and I prayed the gospel and I prayed about the wickedness and the sin of our nation and what goes on in these halls and what we try to justify under politics, the murder of the unborn babies and calling, calling holy what God calls unholy and God forgive this chamber. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> and I was just thankful that the governor said, yeah, he gave me one of those. But anyway, so here's the thing. Like, the, the, we, 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 we say we tolerate. Now, people don't like the narrowness of Jesus only. And you'll get some pushback when you do that. I mean, I've been, um, I preached live on the radio many years ago. And we're on the internet now all the time. But years ago, when I went to Mississippi, before we were live streaming, I was preaching on our 98.1 and it was uh the, the the rush limbaugh sean hannity and all that station and it was live sunday morning sunday night wednesday night and i get to it. and man i got i got some letters of death threats and all kinds of things we had a big university there and some some biology professor challenged me to a uh some kind of debate to tell me i was a fraud and so he came and met with me in my office and after about 15 or 20 minutes he left and I never heard from him again. <laughs> and we, we, we talked through the gospel and uh, his standing before God. And, and you know, when you, when you preach the Bible and you preach the gospel and you preach the narrowness of Jesus Christ only, had these Christians in Smyrna said, hey, can we add Jesus to the pantheism of Rome? They would have said, absolutely. Jesus was a wonderful teacher. He spoke great words of wisdom. He, great, he introduced great philosophies to the world. He, he, uh, you know The Romans would have loved him in the fact that he was a great kingdom builder. The Greeks would have liked him because he got new philosophies. And so the Jews would have loved him because he was one of theirs. And they would have loved to just put him up on the shelf with all their other gods. There's Zeus and uh, and there's uh, Athena and, and there's Jesus right up there on the rest. And everybody was said, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just talk about treating your neighbor good and not judging others and loving one another. And those things that Jesus taught that are all very, you know, in this world, the way they're interpreted, it's all very whitewashed, right? But wait a minute. But he, this great teacher, claimed to be God. And so if a teacher teaches something that isn't true, he's not a great teacher, and Jesus said, I am God. And he said, there is no other way. If a man's going to go to the Father, he's got to come through me. I'm the door. I'm the life. I'm the resurrection. I'm the bread. I am the one sent from heaven. You can only know the Father through me. That's pretty narrow. And they didn't like that. Now, we, we can get a little persecution in our country. I think we, we may see more as the times go on. But there are believers around the world that are suffering in great ways being crushed like the people of Smyrna. Let me show you a couple things about them. Very quickly, I want to show you what the Lord says where he commends them. He said, I know your works. I know your works. You know, they were crushed, but they were working. They were serving while they were being crushed. They were being faithful witnesses for Christ. There was a, listen, there was a sweet smell a sweet savor that was coming out of Smyrna to the nostrils of God through the crushing of his saints. As the world was pressing them, there was an odor of fragrance of Christ in Smyrna. And God saw them working. God saw through them working. You know, you know. it's interesting that um, um, one of the great writers of the past said this. He said, in pleasure, God whispers. But in pain, God shouts. You know, when things are going well, we miss the voice of God so often. But when you have pain, you hear God loud and clear. You hear God loud and clear. I was listening to a testimony from a man that, uh, I worked with him in Mississippi many years ago, and he got saved and got right with the Lord, and and uh, I married he and his wife, and then uh, just just a, a man who had been a mess, but for for a long time I chased that guy from p- pillar to post, and he was living wide, high, and handsome man. He he was working offshore. He'd go out twenty eight days. He'd make a bundle of cash. He'd come in and he'd burn it up. He'd go back out for 28 days, make a bundle of cash, come home, burn it up. And he was just running through life as fast as he could go. And I was trying to catch up with him. I couldn't catch him. And then one day, he had a girl on the back of his motorcycle, and they had an accident on the interstate. She was hurt some, but in that, she broke her arm, found out that she was pregnant. He was in a coma. Somebody called me and said, hey, David's in a coma in the ICU. I'd go in the ICU. I got 15 minutes to visit. I'd ask the nurse to step out. He's got hoses going over. I'd pull up a chair right next to his ear. And I'd say, David, God has been chasing you. And you've been running from him. You're lost. You are unsaved. You're in your sins. And Jesus loves you. And he died for you. And he wants to save you and ch- And I would preach. And I know some of those nurses were thinking, what is he doing? I'm just preaching at this guy in a coma. And I'd come by the next day and I'd, part two, you are a blasphemer and away from God and you... God has given you, God has given you chance after chance after chance. If you have any life in you, you need to call upon the Lord. So I was in my office one day and I got a phone call. I said, hey, you need to go to the hospital. David Lawler's awake and he is agitated. He's not going to be calm until you get down there. He's asking for you. And I went in there, man, he was a changed man. I heard him giving his testimony in a church down in Alabama this last week. And he talked about when God put him flat on his back. And when he was in that coma, he was talking to God. And I'm not talking about in some mystical way. I'm talking about like he was aware he would wake up and he would see his mama praying for him in the corner and he'd hear me preaching at him over here and he could see all the tubes and he said, I couldn't just wake up and I would just cry in my heart. I would just cry. And I would just talk to God and God would talk to me. I didn't like what God had to say. He said, finally, I gave in. But let me tell you something, it's in pain when God shouts. Charles Haddon Spurgeon said that he... He said, I, have, I kiss every wave that slams me on the rock of ages. It's through the times of darkness when God brings waves of trials that crush us down. We learn the most in those times. The church of Smyrna, God said, I know your works. They were doing a great work while they were being crushed. God was doing something with them while they were being crushed. There was great things happening in Smyrna while these people were being crushed. and may May we understand that. You know, many of us as Christians, we read, through, we read through Hebrews chapter 11, and we love that. Man, by faith, Abel. By faith, Noah. By faith, look what these guys put to flight the armies of aliens. These people, man, they stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the flames of fire. Look what these people did by faith. And then you get down towards the bottom of that chapter, and it said, and others also wandered in sheepskins and goatskins and caves, Sawn asunder. Love not their lives unto the death. Of whom the world is not worthy. You know, we like the by faith they were victorious, but the but others also. And I will tell you, I don't I don't like pain. I don't like persecution. I don't like those things. I don't I don't want those things. But the church of Smyrna was in the middle of it and they were being crushed, but the Lord knew it. And he saw them. Aren't you thankful that the Lord knows where you are and he sees where you are? And your crushing is a sweet fragrance? That's what Paul said. Paul said, when we go about, we bear a sweet fragrance of Christ in this world. Well, you know how we do that? It's through, generally through crushing. There are some Christians who are gonna go through great trials and God's not gonna remove that trial. He's not gonna remove the trial because through that trial, Jesus is going to be seen. Remember when Jesus was walking with his disciples and they saw that blind man? And they asked the Lord. They said, Lord, who sinned, this man or his parents? Who sinned that he was blind? He said it wasn't by anybody's sin. This man was blind because, so that God would be glorified. Through this man's infirmity, through this man's affliction, through this man's handicap, through this man's trial, God is going to be glorified. There are some people who God is going to give the ministry of suffering to. I mean, we, we ought to shout the roof off when God heals somebody of cancer. We ought, to, we, ought to, we ought to thank God when we see that. But, you know, he doesn't always choose to do that. And there are some that God allows to go through that fiery trial, and they bring glory to God. You know, there's been a lot of doctors who got glory when somebody was healed. There's been some medicine that got glory when somebody was healed. I'm thankful for all of that. I'm grateful that when Paul had a thorn in the flesh, God gave him a Dr. Luke to go with him. I'm thankful for that. But I want to tell you something. When somebody goes through trials and they go through fire trials and there's something different about them and the joy of God is seen in them and a faith is seen in them and faithfulness in the midst of that crushing, God said, I see that work. I see that work. You're working under the pressure of the stone as it crushes out. And what's coming out of you is glory to God. Now, notice this. He said in verse number 9, He said, I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not but are the synagogue of Satan. Notice what He says in verse 10 Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that ye may be tried. Now, now, let me just say this. The Lord is very careful here because these people, these Christians were surrounded by the Roman Empire, by all of these Gentiles, and by these Jewish uh, congregation that were against them. In fact, there were two men in Smyrna that were, that were advisors to, to Rome that were actually Jewish proselytes. They were Jews by religion, and they hated the Christians. In fact, if you fast forward through time, what makes this very interesting is, do you know who one of the pastors in Smyrna was? In the first century, one of the pastors there was a man by the name of Polycarp. He was one of John, the apostle John's converts, and Polycarp was one of the pastors in Smyrna. The pressure got so intense at one point that the Christians in Smyrna said to Polycarp, you need to flee. And so he did. But he was arrested, he was brought back in and he was brought into into the arena. And they were telling him to recant. They were telling him to take it back. Take back that Jesus Christ is Lord. Say Caesar is Lord. Take it back. And Polycarp stood there and he said, they said in the writings, his white hair and that white beard as he looked up with piercing eyes upon the, 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 uh, the men that were overseeing the council and he looked at them and he said these 86 years I have served him and he has not failed me yet nor shall I fail him and Polycarp they said we're going to burn you and he said then haste then haste make haste do it but I will not recant And it was some of the Jewish people that ran in their their zeal to, to acquire the fuel to burn him. They put Polycarp on the stake. They put the fuel underneath him and they began to burn him. The flames went around him, it said, and went around him and formed a vortex above his head. Polycarp was unhurt. And they yelled, thrust him through. They ran through with a sword, pierced Polycarp. Through the heart, the blood began to rush from his chest and extinguish the fire. And then Polycarp died from bleeding out and not from burning. But while he died, Polycarp gave praise to Jesus Christ. But it's interesting to know what Jesus said here to this church. He said, Smyrna, you're being crushed, and I know it. And I see the work that you're doing while you're being crushed. I see the pressing, but I want you to understand something. It's Satan. It's not Rome. It's not the Jews. You wrestle not with flesh and blood. It's the synagogue of Satan. It's those who claim to be Jews, but they're no Jews. They're not Jews. These are the group that Jesus referred to in John 8, when he said of these Jews who knew who he was and rejected him as Christ, and he said, ye are of your father the devil. It's in Romans chapter two, that group of Jews that Paul was writing to in Romans chapter two, when Paul said a Jew is not a Jew of circumcision of the flesh. It's only a Jew of circumcision of heart. When he's been made clean and his heart has been renewed, that's a real Jew. It's not the one of the flesh, but one who has been cut in the heart and been made new. These were Jews who had rejected Christ. And he said, this is the synagogue of Satan. He said, now the devil's going to throw some of you in prison. Listen, it won't be Rome. It's not the Jews persecuting you. It's not Rome persecuting you. And I want to just say something to Christians for a minute. We, we live in a weird time in American history. I had a man not long ago come and meet with me, and he wanted to, he wanted to find out if I, he said, will you tolerate MAGA in your church? And I said, let me ask you a question. I said, I'm not going to ask you if you're for or against him. But are you asking me to choose between Nebuchadnezzar and Herod? Nebuchadnezzar was neutering young people, making eunuchs of young men, manipulating genders and changing their identities in his blasphemous reign against God, building images that he demanded worship for. And if you don't worship me, you burn. I said, now, we have a party in our country that resembles that. And I don't support that. They'll burn the babies. They'll they'll imprison their opponents. They are mutilating a generation. I don't support Nebuchadnezzar. And now Herod, he came in. He was an Edomite, but he borrowed Judaism so he could become the king of the Jews. And he was a... corrupt man, and you're asking me if I'm going to follow him. Listen, we have our eyes on one, and that's Jesus Christ. And I will tell you something right now, listen to me. We live in a weird time navigating all the political alligators in the world, but I want to tell you, as a church, listen to me, as a church, we better understand that our battle is not with flesh and blood. This is not a liberal, conservative, Democrat, Republican. This is not a, a Biden, Trump. This is none of that. We as a church better be laser focused on the fact that there is a devil and we wrestle with him. It is Satan doing this. Jesus didn't say, hey, listen, listen, some of you, Rome's gonna imprison you. And others of you, you're gonna be persecuted by these Jews. He didn't say that. He said it's Satan's synagogue and the devil will cast you in prison. That's your enemy. The rest of them are your mission field. And we as Christians better understand that. We live in a world today where we, we're going to meet people in political places at political, at political beliefs that are not like ours. And I'll tell you what they need. They, don't need. they don't need to vote our ballot, they need our Jesus Christ. They need to kneel before Christ is Lord. I'm just saying, we, this, is, this is Christ focused them back on the enemy. And I think we have to be focused back on who our enemy is. Be sober, be vigilant for your adversary as a roaring lion, the devil, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. That's the enemy. And Nebuchadnezzar was fully in the power of Satan. And so was Herod, by the way. So we as Christians need to understand that there is a trial, but there is a real enemy. And let me tell you what the Lord's answer to them was. You ready to this? Here's what he said. He said, now look, there's a blasphemy of those that say they're Jews and are not. They're the synagogue of Satan. The devil's gonna cast some of you into prison that you may be tried. Now watch what he says in verse 10. Fear none of those things. <laughs> Fear none of those things. Now why are we not fearing the devil? Because he's a defeated foe. He's the captain of a sinking ship, man. Do you know? Do you know all the things that are going on politically right now are just people who are rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. That's all they're doing. There are some who are trying to rearrange the chairs, and some are trying to play the band. You know, whatever it is, the the what was the song they played at the end? "Nearer, my God, to Thee." There are some who are playing that, but listen. But the ship's still going down, and there need to be souls saved. You know, I want to tell you, I I, I, I love I love. Uh, The man that was the the pastor on the ship, he was on the Titanic, and he began to swim to people. and He first went through the ship and asked people, "Are you saved?" And they said, "Yes." Then take your life jacket off and give it to someone who's lost. There's a great book about him. Uh, It's called "The Titanic's Last Hero." He was in the water, swimming around. He gave a man, he, a wave pushed him up to a man. He said, are you, are you a Christian? Do you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? And the man said, no. He took off his life jacket and said, here, you need this more than I do. Receive Jesus Christ. The waves pushed them back. When they came back together, he prayed one more time. He said, please, I'm asking you to receive Christ. And then he, he drowned. That man stood in a revival meeting one day and told the story. I was his last convert. I trusted Christ in the water. Now listen, that's what we have to do. That's what we're doing today. We're winning souls. And so I got to close with this. So fear not. Listen, listen, Christians, we don't need to be afraid of what's going on. We might be crushed and jobless and persecuted and homeless. And we're, I mean, we're being crushed, thrown in prison, dying, all of that. But fear thou not. Now, why did he say fear thou not? I love this. By the way, this is the shortest letter that Jesus wrote. And you know why? Because you don't have to say a lot to people who are in pain. People that are in pain don't need a big speech. Let me tell you what he said. Watch watch why he told them. Here's here's why you don't have to fear. How did he introduce himself? These things saith he, the first and the last. I've been there, I've done that. He that was dead and is alive. I've been rejected. I've been crushed. I've been killed. I was crucified. I suffered at the hands of Rome. I suffered at the hands of Jews. I suffered with all these people, but it was Satan. I love them. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I knew what was going on. I died but I came out of that grave alive and I want you to know something. He that overcometh is not going to be bothered by the second death. You might die in Smyrna, but you're gonna reign forever in heaven. I've been there, done that. And so will you. So don't fear that. You have nothing to fear in life or in death. He just said to these people of Smyrna, be faithful. Keep being faithful. No admonition to them. No correction to them. And here's what he said He said, I know your poverty, but look at the parentheses in verse 10. I know your poverty, or verse 9. And he said, But you are rich. It's interesting to the church of Laodicea, he said, You say that you're rich, but you're poor. People looked at these Christians in Smyrna and thought, Oh, those poor Christians. But the father looked down and said, oh, man, how wealthy these are. (laughs) What a great reward. There is a crown of life. You don't know what you have when you get here, but you are rich. You're rich in faith. You're rich in reward. You're rich in glory. Your light affliction is going to give way to a far greater weight of glory. Amen. Hey, listen, there are some Christians that we look at today and we think, oh, poor them. And yet they're the richest among us. They are suffering the deepest. They are the richest. And through their crushing, there is a fragrance that's being a sweet smelling savor of sacrifice to the Lord. He's the first and the last. He's been where you are. He was there first. He conquered it. You have nothing to fear. Amen? Father, thank you for Smyrna and the letter that brings us encouragement. Lord, I'm so grateful for the power of Christ. Thank you for your conquering of the grave and death and hell, trampling on Satan. And Lord, one day we're going to see him chained. We're going to hear him confess with that crooked tongue Jesus is Lord. And Lord, he will be in eternal damnation. We're going to reign forever with you. We're going to glorify you. What a day that will be. Lord, And tell them, may we be faithful. May we pray for those around the world who are suffering. Our fellow Christians who are under the great crushing of persecution. May we remember them. Pray for them. Lord, I pray you'll bless our church. As we go to prayer these next few moments, Lord, I pray that you'll hear our prayer as we offer prayer of faith and thanks with our supplications, Lord. What a joy it is to know that we have a God who hears prayer and understands. You know our burdens. You know our suffering. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.